I've come to realize, I suppose, that it's important to focus on what you have rather than what you haven't, you mm-hmm. know, and your neighbor down the road may seem like they have everything, but they don't. Nobody has everything. I'm Dr. Mark Rowe and welcome to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. As a family physician, my expertise is supporting people in the areas of positive health and lifestyle medicine. Join me in conversations that share life lessons, health habits and leadership practices, focusing on positive psychology, lifestyle medicine and ways that enable you to live with more vitality on purpose. Appreciating that when it comes to your vitality, that everything is so interconnected. Episodes will air weekly and you can find me wherever you listen to your podcasts. And of course, on my website, drmarkrow.com. As a practicing family doctor with expertise in lifestyle as medicine, my purpose is to encourage and support you in terms of positive health, personal growth, and all things well-being. As I say, to never stop starting. Each month on a live webinar, I teach learning by doing and learning by being. The why and the how of health enhancing habits, giving you the science as well as support strategies to live with more vitality. I'd like to invite you to join my self-development club. To learn more and to sign up, visit drmarko.com. I'm really delighted to be joined in the doctor's chair this week by Emer Byrne. Emer described herself as an IVF survivor who has used her own life challenges to create a new sense of purpose and meaning and to help so many other people through moments of sparkle. Emer, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Let's go back, Emer, and I suppose back to the beginning. And can you share with our listeners, you know, a kind of a summary, I suppose, of, of your own journey through healthcare, particularly the lens of IVF, and I suppose particularly the impact it had on your, you know, your 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 well-being, you know, emotionally, mentally, physically, in terms of your relationships. Sure. Yeah. So um, I suppose we our journey started a year after we got married um, from a, I suppose, fertility perspective. Um, and we had an amazing wedding day um, on the 29th of April 2011, which was the same day as Kate and Will in the UK of royal fame got married. That was fabulous. And I suppose we started our journey with such hope, you know, of, of what was to come and obviously loved each other. But, you know, we're looking forward to the family that that we would create together. So a year down the road, things weren't working out and we went for investigations. And long story short, basically we was told that IVF was our best chance at having a family. So I thought it would be very simple. We thought it would be very simple. I knew conceptually what was involved, you know, but I didn't anticipate the emotional roller coaster that was ahead or how it would test us, our marriage, my spirit, my mental health, and my physical body, <laughs> financially all of that mm. um and i suppose in summary our our journey spanned 10 years six cycles four with my own eggs and two donor egg cycles so yeah it was um challenging needless to say but in the beginning i suppose i started with such hope but our first journey in summary ended in in early miscarriage and i'll never forget that first scan and i suppose not hearing the news that we'd hoped to hear And I suppose following that first round, we tried again within nine months. And in hindsight, looking back, I didn't really give myself the time to heal. And while the fertility clinics are wonderful and they achieve amazing miracles, 
it's very much focused on the, okay, let's just go next, you know. And I remember a doctor at a point, one of our consultants, after our first failure, basically I went to my review and he opened my file and closed my file and said, so it didn't work, let's go again. And I just, you know, went along with that. We went along with that, I suppose, thinking our next one would work. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting, Emer, that, you know, and I think it is one of the big failings of conventional medicine that we tend to too often focus on the condition and ignore the person, ignore the humanity, because we're human beings and we we have feelings. We have mm. our, our own mindset, as you mentioned, your spirit, our relationships. Mm. And, um, you know, I think that's one of the big failings of, of healthcare that too often it neglects that holistic view of the person. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, and I suppose, Obviously, my family knew what was going on. I was quite open about it with friends, close friends at the time as well. And, you know, people would ask, how are you? And I'd say I'm fine, but I wasn't fine at all. And nor was Tom, my husband either, you know, And but I suppose being a man, he didn't really like to talk about that either, right? But I suppose we went into that second cycle, again, filled with such hope, given I was, I was still only 32. So thought that that would be successful didn't achieve a pregnancy at that stage. And I suppose, again, you know, very disappointed, obviously. Took a bit of time out from work and then got the recommendation from a work colleague. Did you try ever try mindfulness? You know, I was just really struggling, I suppose, at that point. Um, And I didn't know what mindfulness was. I thought it was people who just sat around, you know, with their knees crossed in a kind of sitting Mm -hmm. pose in a Zen-like state. I thought that's what mindfulness was. I thought it was about emptying your brain. Mm. And it's the complete opposite of that. It's actually about just being with what is present. But anyway, discovered the mindfulness, went to a mindful morning in Cork, which I remember coming out of my first like hour of mindfulness session in Cork, a workshop I attended thinking, God, I need more of that in my life, you Mm -hmm. know. So ultimately, I suppose that mindfulness became one of the tools that I now rely on to keep me well mentally and got me through the next couple of stages, I suppose, of my journey. Our third journey then, which was within maybe another year of that, unfortunately ended the same way as our first with a chemical pregnancy. I think I may have forgotten to mention that, that our first journey, while we did get pregnant, the embryo didn't stay. It did attach, but it didn't stay and we didn't get a heartbeat. So the same thing happened with our third cycle. So within three years, I had completed three cycles of IVF and I was heartbroken. (laughs) Mm. Thankfully as well, I came across an amazing counsellor who I still work with and go to see. She's a friend now, (laughs) but she's also my counsellor. And, you know, I would recommend anyone listening to this podcast who's struggling. You know, there's no shame at all in reaching out for support. And counselling has been another game changer for me from, I suppose, the tools, as I call them in my toolbox, Mindfulness being one primary one, counselling being another. And my counsellor also recommended journaling, which I, when she originally recommended it, I was like, oh, no, I'm not a storyteller. I'm not a writer, (laughs) you know. And she's like, no, that's not what it's about. It's just about being what's present or what's going on for you and trying to write that out and, you know, see what's going on inside. And that, I suppose, in turn, as I developed more in my mindfulness training, journaling is a form of mindfulness because it's just being with what is present, you know. So, yeah. So during my third cycle, I completed an eight week mindfulness based stress reduction course, which was an invaluable tool, I suppose, in assisting me. And following our third failure, I suppose we took a bit of a break because at that point, 
well, financially as well, but physically, you know, it was taking a toll on on me and on, on us and took a bit of a break. And the clinic, again, that we were with at the time, I suppose, you know, were encouraging us to go down the egg donation route. And I needed to take a bit of time to reconcile with that. There was a little bit, there was one session of counselling, I think, um, that the clinic provided to allow us to reconcile with that. But I mean, there was a lot more needed and I did a lot more counselling and all of that personally to be able to, you know, is that the right thing to do? And I suppose ultimately our quest to have a family, we decided to move forward with that. And I felt like, jeepers, this would surely work, you know. So we picked our donor in the Ukraine and two embryos flew back in the summer of 2017. Obviously, they didn't fly back themselves. They flew back with whomever on a plane. I don't know how it all works, but they got to a clinic in Dublin and the clinic recommended transferring one of them, which we did. And, you know, I was, again, so full of hope, um, still supporting myself with the mindfulness and the counselling and the journaling and doing all the right things, eating all the right things, all of that. And the result came back two weeks later after the two-week wait, not pregnant. And what came after that, I can only describe as a deep, dark hole. Really, really struggled to reconcile that that didn't work either. I never failed at anything in my life. I never had adversity in my life. Obviously, I had the three failed IVF cycles prior to that. But the fact that I had put my own, I suppose, you know, the fact that the child wouldn't be biologically mine, it would be Mm. mine, it would grow within me. But I had put that to one side and was like, you know, I still really want a family and all of that. We still really wanted a family Mm. because it was a difficult thing for Tom as well, you know, to come to that decision. So it was a really, really difficult time to take some time out from work Um, went to my GP and I have an amazing GP in Ballyduff and I suppose came to the realization that I needed a bit of a lift because I couldn't stop crying Mm. and went on antidepressants for a while. I fell back on mindfulness and walks in nature and journaling and counseling and my amazing support network, my family and my friends. So I took three years out then, you know, that time to get mentally well, physically well and all of that. And of course, during that time as well was the pandemic, you know, Mm. when the whole world changed. And I suppose I had decided that we had one embryo left in the freezer. I know it's not called a freezer, but I called it the freezer. I know. And <laughs> so I joined a, a slimming group and I lost five stone for me to get. So I said, let's throw the kitchen sink at this. La-. We had kind of decided that, that would be our last goal because of the mental health toll, mainly that it was taking on me, the effect that it was having on us as a couple, you know, this the uncertainty, you know, and the going into it with all the hope and then all your hopes being dashed again. And I suppose we came to the realisation, well, I came to the realisation that we didn't get married to have kids. We got married because we loved each other. Mm, <laughs> and even though Tom is a man who doesn't, who doesn't talk about feelings or like talking about his feelings, he did say one time, which has stuck with me, will stick with me till the day I go to the grave that, you know, I didn't marry you to have kids. I married you because I loved you. I love you. <laughs> so, yeah, that that really helped, I suppose. Um, so anyway, I joined, I lost the weight and I also undertook during the pandemic a 15 month diploma in mindfulness and positive psychology to help me on a personal level. But also a friend had mentioned to me that she really felt I could help others with the journey I'd been on. So I suppose that that's when it started the journey that I'm on now in terms of getting ready to help others as well as support myself. So I got in the best shape of my life in every possible way. <laughs> and I remember that day going to Dublin thinking, 
traveling up the road and Tom had taken the day off and he hadn't been there maybe for every transfer up to that point. But, you know, we were so full of hope. But as we drove up the road to go to Dublin, we got the call from the clinic to say the embryo didn't survive the thaw. So all our hopes and dreams were dashed again. And the work that I had done to be ready was thrown back in my face. Well, that's what it felt like. Mm. So again, that was a really tough time, <laughs> you can imagine. But I, I suppose because of the journey I'd been on from a, a, a mental health perspective, I remember that day the sun was splitting the stones like it was a beautiful day. So we left one side of the motorway and started driving down the other side. And Tom says, what do you want to do now? And he was like, obviously afraid, like, so what would you say? I don't know what words to use. Really afraid of what was ahead for me for and for us, you know, because he knew the devastation that was ahead and how devastated I was. And we were together. So I said, you know what we'll do, Tom? It's a beautiful day. We we'll go for a walk. And he's like, really? You really want to go for a walk? <laughs> And I was like, no, really, let's go for a walk. Let's stop somewhere and go for a walk. I don't know where we stopped, Mark, but it was the most amazing, beautiful place. Um, we came, left the motorway. I put in nearest walk, you know, the way you do in Google Maps. And we landed in this little rural village, kind of like the rural village where we're from, really, somewhere. <laughs> and went for a walk. And it was on a farm, actually. So you were walking in through fields and over fields and little bridges. And it was just beautiful. Now, obviously, I cried most of the way around. He tried to make me laugh most of the way around because that's the kind of guy he is. But I suppose before mindfulness and before all my mental health journey, I would have been like, just come home, wallow, drink wine, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. close the curtains, get into bed, block mm -hmm. away the world. Not to say I didn't do that in the weeks following. Of course I did because I'm human. But I suppose what I realized that day was you need a bit of fresh air to kind of mm. just take a breath. It'll be OK. You've got through all the days to now and you'll get through this, too. I suppose that's what I was kind of trying to tell myself, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. And I think I think there's there's such courage coming from you there, Emer. And, you know, I think it's an extraordinary story of how you have learned really through your own experiences and by reflecting on those experiences. And, you know, learning new skills, as you say, your your own toolkit to really support you, because we all have speed bumps in life. We all have mm -hmm. things that happen us in various ways. And you've had tremendous adversity in, in the fertility space. And yet, despite that or because of that, you've learned to really become a champion for well-being and, and self-care and self-compassion and, and positive health. And I really, I really want to say I admire you so much for that. And there's so many things you've you've shared with our listeners that I think are a really great learning point. You've spoken about, you know, reaching out for support to go for counseling and how therapeutic that can be, you know, to have somebody that really will listen unconditionally and perhaps often suggestions or, or, or strategies that you can adopt. The mindfulness, learning to, you know, pay attention on purpose in the present moment. It's a wonderful way to embrace stress learning to to journal, you know, the, the tremendous power in writing things down. And, you know, James Pennebacher in Texas, I got to interview him during COVID, Emer, and, you know, he really articulates so well how simply getting your feelings on paper can really enable you to create more perspective and to build your resilience and boost your well-being and to really, I suppose, enable you to see things a little bit differently. Did you find that? Absolutely. Yeah. And it also allowed me to constructively deal with emotion. 
Mm. You know, it's been amazing in that space. It's also something I use in a positive way to remember good things, you know, that have happened and to write those things down. I call them my moments of sparkle. Yes. You know, the things that happen that are good in the day. It's like a gratitude journal for all the world, you know. So I have a separate kind of positive book and I have my journal where I write my thoughts. And I have warned my family not to read it should anything happen to me ever. But I do intend on hopefully writing a book at some point. So they'll come in useful then, I'm sure. Isn't that wonderful? I think there's there's, there's a good book inside everybody and mm-hmm. it takes takes courage to get it out. And I think you're so right when you talk about gratitude. I think it really is a wonderful practice, not to sort of pretend that everything's rosy in the garden all the time, but, but to mm-hmm. simply... F- refocus, recalibrate your attentive energy on what's going well, on what's present as opposed to what's absent. And Mm -hmm. it really can, I think, bring such perspective to the past, a really profound sense of peace to the present moment. And a word you've used repeatedly since our conversation started, Emer, this evening that I just can't stop thinking about. And it's this word called hope. Having a sense of hope and having a Mm -hmm. sense of realistic optimism, understanding that through the power of you doing something, whether it's that walk with Tommy at at your worst moment, whether it's writing in your journal, whether it's doing your mindful course, by doing something, you can create a better future, a brighter future. Mm -hmm. I think that's really powerful, that idea of hope. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm actually wearing a jumper with the word docus, which is hope in Irish. Beautiful. As we speak right now, um, which has been something that I've worn a lot (laughs) over the last few years. But and one thing I do every morning is I light a little candle before whether I'm going to work or wherever I'm going and a little quote that I, I share on social media and stuff. But I light a candle every day and every day from my last cycles, I was lighting candles as I was doing my injections um because i find you know no matter how dark it gets that little glimmer from a candle can just inspire such hope you know so yeah that's that's been huge for me so will i will i go back to the finish the story i suppose will i do what do you think yeah where were we we were in the walk with the sheep and all the rest yeah Mm. so after that i suppose we made the pact to do one more round because even though tommy was like you know initially not exactly excited by the idea (laughs) but i suppose i felt that we had done so much work i had done so much work in particular on myself physically you know mentally getting throwing the kitchen sink as i said at that last cycle and not getting the chance to put back the embryo you know i felt that that was very unfair So we decided to do one more round. And because I was feeling so well and because we had had success with our own eggs previously, we had never had success from the donor egg cycles that um, we would do it with my own eggs. So I went through all the injections and appointments Mm -hmm. and all the rest of it. And that started in August of 21 and ended in September of 2021. And while we did get five eggs and three fertilized, unfortunately, none made it to day five. So we didn't mm. get to transfer any back. So we didn't get a two week wait and our journey was over without the realization of our dream, which hit again very hard. But I suppose some people say, well, why did you give up? And you I was only 40 at that point, maybe 39 and a half. You could still keep going maybe for another few years. And I suppose we decided our marriage and I suppose our life was worth more than the keeping going and keeping going and keeping going. And I fell back on the tools that I know that work. I took time out from work again. I went back to see, well, I would obviously have been seeing my GP all through it. 
needed to go back on antidepressants again for a little while, fell back on the counselling and the journaling and the mindfulness and the meditation and the walks on the beach <laughs> and the self-compassion and self-care and all that comes with that. So I've I've come to realise, I suppose, that it's important to focus on what you have rather than what you haven't, you mm-hmm. know, and your neighbour down the road may seem like they have everything, but they don't. Nobody has everything. And I came to realise that I'm very lucky and myself, but myself and Tom are very lucky to live in a beautiful place, that our families are close by. We're actually from the same rural village in West Waterford, <laughs> which is funny, but that's the way life has worked out. Um, and we're very lucky in lots of other ways. And, and you know, yeah. There's a, there's a saying I have written about, you know, that in life you can have everything and have nothing and you can have nothing and have everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you put that beautifully, you know, really about focusing on, on what you have, focusing on the beautiful gifts and abundance you already have in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and they will enhance in in your mind and in your heart and your everyday lived experience mm. rather than putting your energy into, into what, what you don't have. So I know you've set up Moments of Sparkle. Can you tell our listeners briefly about that? Why would somebody on the IVF road potentially reach out to you for Moments of Sparkle, Emer? Sure. So what I do with Moments of Sparkle, I suppose, is offer support to those on the journey, whether that's on a one-on-one basis as they are going through their cycle, or I have set up a six-week course called the Fertility Roller Coaster Toolkit, and I'm rolling that out on a six-week basis as well. So basically, it's to help people, I suppose, develop understand the toolkit that has come to real that I've come to I suppose build through my own journey um, but also through my mindfulness training um, and the positive tools I've learned along the way and I suppose to equip someone with the tools so they can help themselves and that it's a, a life skill that they're learning because I suppose when I started on my journey there was none of that you know there was none of somebody that you could go to to kind of go can you help me along the way or can you help me understand what's ahead or any of that. There was there was none of that. So moments of sparkle um exist to, I suppose, help others on the roller coaster and and show them the way, you know, to support themselves from a mental health perspective. That's fantastic. And and you know, it's really, really interesting that the research shows, Emer, that many people that experience trauma or adversity in life, you know, they experience what's termed post-traumatic growth. You know, they develop a new sense of who they are, a new sense of purpose or spirituality or a new sense of appreciation for the giftedness of life itself. And it's clear to me listening to you that you have developed that sense of post-traumatic growth and and using that now to help and support others. I think that's wonderful. For our listeners, can you give three take-homes for a resilient mind? Yeah, sure. For a resilient mind, it's the capacity to, to recover from difficult times, isn't it? So I suppose it's the realization that you're human, you know, Mm -hmm. when difficult things happen and, you know, that to take time out, I suppose that's something I realized on my own journeys that was important to to pull up the handbrake and take time out and allow yourself the time to recover, I think is important to realize that it's it's okay to ask for support and in particularly the fertility road and other, you know, journeys in life can feel very lonely. So it's important to reach out for support. And I suppose uh, the journaling, which we've already spoken on, um, you know, has been something that's helped me to build my resilient mind um, to allow me to go through emotion and to realize that no matter how overwhelming an emotion it will seem, that when you actually write it down 
and go through it as in whether it's cry or whatever you need to do that you know nothing would kind of take you over or overwhelm you you know when you actually sit down and be with it Mm. and so that's those are the three for me mark yeah well done i I mean i think that's a lovely idea the idea of of sitting with an emotion being with it not trying Mm. to suppress it or Mm. trying to escape it or medicate Mm -hmm. it or whatever you know to actually sit with it all emotions all feelings will pass and, and as you mm. said, writing it down to understand that we are always separate from our emotions, from whatever we're feeling, that's not you. You, you are somebody different behind that, mm-hmm. whereas the emotions are different. That's really the essence, really, of what we call emotional agility, being able to juggle mm-hmm. all these various emotions and, and not get too stuck by any of them. Mm-hmm. And finally, Emer, for you, what's the meaning of life? Yeah, so the meaning of life, I suppose, is having a passion you know, that I suppose gets you up out of bed in the morning um, and meaningful relationships. I suppose I thought the meaning of life was, you know, before, um, you know, when I got married was, you know, having a, a successful career and, you know, um, a family and being comfortable and being happy and all of that and being a mom. You know, was having had was having a meaningful life, but I now realise that it's much more than that. Um, well, for me it is anyway. Obviously, that's wonderful, and I'm not taking away from anyone that has that or feels that that's right for them. I suppose it's different for everyone, isn't it? But it's I suppose fostering a passion or purpose, and I really feel that I found that now at moments of sparkle, um, and having meaningful relationships, um, and spending the time with people that matter. I suppose is is a meaningful life for me. Beautiful. Well, I think not only have you found your own sparkle, um, but you're now creating moments of sparkle to inspire and support others, Emer. And I wish you every success in continuing to lead and being your purpose in the world. Emer, thanks so much for being in the doctor's chair. Thanks, Mark. Thank you for listening to my podcast, In the Doctor's Chair. For further resources to support you to live with more vitality, please visit my website, drmarkrow.com. 